Hi, everybody. I'm Chick Hernandez. You don't know me, but maybe you will. Just listen to Pro Sports Podcasters. <laughs> Hold on a second. Why what? do you think they don't know you? I don't know. You want, you want Emmy Awards and stuff. I know. I know. Oh, here, here, you want one? Yeah, okay, here's one. Here, here, here's one. Here's one. Hi, everybody. I'm Chick Hernandez, multi-Emmy Award winner. Do you care? I don't know. I don't care. It was great. You're listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. There, that one's more like it. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Corbett Ron. You guys know me as Kobe. And today I've got a friend of the show on. This is your second time here, right, Cam? That is correct. Good to be with you. That's right. We got Cam Rogers, media sports personality, golf aficionado, and we're going to talk a little bit of golf today, maybe a little bit more as well, but we'll get right into it with the big story in the golf world currently, and that's Live Golf versus the PGA Tour. What's your, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I think it's interesting overall and pretty surreal to cover, to be frank with you, because we've never seen something like this as far as a rival tour is concerned, certainly not in my lifetime. And what this product is, is a lot different than what the PGA Tour is putting out there as far as no cuts, smaller fields, shorter tournaments, a lot more energy maybe behind these events as well, as far as, you know, the crowds and concerts and the extra stuff it's not just golf and that's sort of what Liv is going for here and then of course you have the Saudi-backed element of this as well which creates a lot of controversy I mean this goes all the way back to when Phil Mickelson really took a lot of heat for his comments about the Saudi government and that sort of just lit the fire or at least started things for the most part of this Liv versus PGA Tour rivalry and I think overall it's a good thing for the game because what you're seeing now is the PGA Tour is making changes within its own tour to improve itself and not just finger-wag players for leaving for a live. And I think that's something that I was hoping for at some point, and I'm glad it finally came true last week with Jay Monahan announcing things about, hey, this is what we're going to do to make things better. Hopefully players don't leave for a live. We'll see what happens. I'm already hearing more defections over the last couple of days. Cameron Tringali, Cameron Smith, and what have you. So... You know, it's really going to start this interesting rivalry between these two tours, and there's a lot more to learn, and there's a lot more news to cover as we go. So it's really interesting. Yeah, I want to talk about some of the differences to begin with. And the first thing that really affects the the quality of the game, to me, is the no-cut system. So the PGA yep. Tour has always had the compete for pay, right? You've got to make the cut. Yep. And as a result of that, my personal two favorite days in most cases to watch professional golf on the PGA tour is Friday and Sunday, because they're the two days that you kind of see some players kind of have to go for it, depending on what they're after. Whereas with the live golf system, it's a no cut system. And even if you finish in last place, you're still making 40 something thousand dollars. Correct. Uh, even more than that. I think it's some $200,000, oh. honestly. 
Yeah, so it's a lot of money. Yeah. So what's your take on that itself, the no-cut system? Well, I think it's interesting. And look, if Liv was going to really survive, they had to do something different than what the PGA Tour is putting out there. So I think this team element, by the way, is interesting. 12 teams, 48 players, 54 holes, no cuts. Shotgun starts, too. So everybody's on the course at the same time. I think that's pretty interesting. And I think what's also attractive to these players, aside from the boatloads of money, is that there are less of these tournaments. So the obligations as far as travel is concerned and just scheduling is a lot less than it would be for the PGA Tour. So I think that's an important element too. As far as the actual product is concerned on the golf course, I haven't watched enough of Live. There hasn't been that many events yet to really garner a solid opinion. I think, you know, this week will be interesting for Labor Day weekend up in Boston. We'll see how the crowd is there and all that good stuff. But you know, I think this fall is going to be a big test for Liv because it's not only going up against the PGA Tour in terms of viewership, but the NFL. And the NFL is the shield. It's hard to compete against the NFL, so we'll see what happens. College football, too. So this fall is going to be a very big test for Greg Norman and the leadership there at the Live Tour in terms of actually making a statement. Can this thing survive? And when I say for survive... In two sets. Like, one, it's, it can go forever because it's backed by the Saudi government and the money is endless. But can it be profitable? And that's the big question that we are still wondering about with this live tour. Yes. And something I also want to ask you is, are you surprised by the the players who have currently won the few events that have played on the live tour? You have kind of a real talent gap between the top players who have jumped ship and gone there versus the number of players who are maybe a lower tiered, sort of seen as a lower tiered player who have also gone to live tour. And then we haven't seen any big names win yet. Does that surprise you? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Henrik Stenson, I think missed like 12 straight cuts on the PGA tour waltzes to Bedminster and wins on the live tour over Matthew Wolf and Dustin Johnson. Like, I think that's all you need to know about the talent gap between the PGA tour and the live tour. And of course live is still, Poaching players from the PGA Tour. I don't think that's over yet. We should get some more news over the coming weeks about guys leaving the PGA Tour. But, I mean, look, you have Dustin Johnson, you have Patrick Reed, you have Paul Casey, Sergio Garcia. What's a common theme among those guys, Louis Ustazen, too, is that they're sort of heading toward the twilight of their careers. Brooks Kepka even didn't have a great major championship season, which is a little bizarre for you to see. So I think that is a major theme, but also... You're seeing a lot of young guys go to live because previously, and when I say previously, like previous to last week, when you're a rookie on the PGA Tour and you're missing cuts, you could in theory lose money. You could in theory be in the red if you're not making cuts and really you're spending all your money on expenses and travel and all that. So for guys to get $15, million, $10 million up front without even hitting a golf shop to play on live is an attractive option. And so that's what I was saying for so many weeks. Like, Jay Monahan, you got to figure that out. Like, you have to figure out that gap where guys aren't just losing money, essentially, for potentially being a full-time member on the PGA Tour. Like, you don't have that scenario in the MLB or the NFL when you are at the highest level. Mm-hmm. So I think you started to see those changes come through last week, of course, with the $500,000 up front for rookies, you know, the stipend there, $5,000 for missed cuts. So... I think we're heading in the right direction on the PGA Tour side of things. But back to the root of your question, I am a little surprised, but it's only been three tournaments in terms of these winners so far. So we'll see what happens going forward. But Brendan Grace is an interesting name. I mean, he's performed well 
on the major championship stage. Same with Charles Schwartzel. So these guys are, you know, somewhat household names here. But yeah, I mean, the leaderboards have been pretty mixed so far. Yes. Now you brought up the majors. Any surprises to you at the majors this year? Not too much. I mean, listen, the PGA Tour is just littered with talent, littered with depth. And I saw this coming at some point for Scotty Scheffler in terms of a major championship. I mean, he was showing the signs for so many years, performing well on the big stages, WGCs, majors, all that good stuff. And for him to break through with the Masters, that was not too surprising to me. Then you have Matt Fitzpatrick, who, you know, really came on this year. Earlier this year, he was showing some fine form on the PGA Tour. You know, his major championship resume before the U.S. Open left a little to be desired. But, you know, you got to break through at some point when you have the talent level that he does. So for Matt Fitzpatrick, I mean, that was a really impressive feat. Cam Smith, again, has shown signs at major championships before. So winning the Open Championship was not a major surprise for me. And, of course, Justin Thomas... You know, he was number two in my power rankings leading into the PGA Championship. So not too surprised about him either. So pretty chalky overall with the four major winners. Now, it's early doors yet, but there are some similarities. Do you think Will Zalatoris could be the next Ricky Fowler? I think he is closer to Scotty Scheffler than he is to Ricky Fowler. And that, I mean, I think Will Zalatoris is actually going to win major championships, unlike Ricky Fowler, who has zero major championships. He has a player's championship, but that's it. And of course, you may be referencing that 2014 season for Ricky when he finished inside the top five in every single major championship. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So uh, for Will Zalatoris, though, I mean, the sky is the limit for this guy. The concern in the immediate is his back. I'm a little concerned about what's going on there. He had to pull out of the tour championship and we know how backs can be finicky. Just ask Tiger Woods. So hopefully he finds this fall as a path for recovery, comes back in January, and maybe he plays earlier than that, who knows, but fully healthy at some point. And I see him winning multiple major championships. I think he's built for majors. He's got the distance. He's got the ball striking. I mean, the putter can get ice cold at times, but, you know, I think that, you know, you look at the theme with these major winners this year, and it's not like they're amazing putters. Justin Thomas is not an amazing putter. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, Cam Smith certainly are, but Scotty Shuffler can get pretty ice cold with the putter sometimes. So, look, ball striking is key. That's how you contend at major, major championships, and I think that Will Zalatoris is going to be a guy who will perform well at majors and win multiple majors. I'm with you there. I do see him winning a major. I thought he was going to win one this year, to be entirely honest with you, and I, I love the direction his game's going. Now, you mentioned you do power rankings, so was there anyone that really surprised you this season? So many interesting names when you look at the winners this year. I mean, Max Homa really had his coming out party this year. Really impressive stuff from him. His ball striking all year long was pretty impressive. If you want to go back earlier in the year, the California swing, it was really nice to see Luke List break through at the Farmers Insurance Open. He's a guy who, you know, can tattoo the ball and has a really good iron game. Another guy that can't putt, though. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) One of the worst putters on the PGA Tour. I think Seth Straka was probably the surprise of the year. I mean, he came out of absolute nowhere to win the Honda Classic, and he nearly won a few weeks ago, too, on the PGA Tour, all in between a bunch of missed cuts. So for him to break through was a pretty big surprise to me. Just looking at some of the other winners here, JT Poston was a nice surprise at the John Deere Classic. He's a guy who obviously won't 
impress you with his iron game week in and week out, but his putter can get extremely hot. So for him to perform well in that given week was a minor surprise. So there were some names. And then also, how about Tony Finau going back to back? I did not see that coming. I mean, obviously, Tony Finau winning a PGA Tour tournament in its own right is not a surprise. But going back to back, I mean, pretty impressive stuff there. 3M Open, Rocket Mortgage Classic. So Good stuff there for Tony Finau. Still looking for that elusive first major, and I think it's going to happen at some point, maybe next year. Okay, there you heard it. That's a hot take. That's a hot take. <laughs> I like that. I like Finau's game. I, I do like Finau's game. So I, him winning a major is not a stretch by any means, but I, I like that. Now, we're coming to the end of it, going into the next season. Are there any rookies you expect to see next season that can make a splash? Well, I think, you know, it's an interesting sort of situation here with uh, Tom Kim, because technically he was not a full-time member on the PGA Tour this year, and then he won. So now he is, you know, I guess, quote-unquote, a rookie. So I would say he is the guy to sort of look for going into next season. I mean, he performed well even after his victory. And that tells me a lot from a rookie perspective, because if you win, breakthrough win, and then perform well in the continuing weeks... That shows me that your hunger is still high and that, you know, you don't get complacent too easily. It's easy to sort of fall back in the coming weeks after breaking through on the PGA Tour. I would say understandably so. Uh, But for Tom Kim, he's a guy who kept the pedal to the metal and played all the way to the Tour Championship. So I think he is somebody to really watch out for uh, going into this kind of fall swing and then through the uh, 2023 campaign as well. Okay. And last we talked, you and I had discussed how gambling and golf has sort of become a a regular and accepted thing, whereas for the longest time, the PGA Tour and such were resistant to it. Do you gamble on golf? Uh, I do at times. Obviously, a lot of my content is more based in sports betting content. So I do give advice a lot. I don't bet as much just because it's so hard in golf. Like it's so hard to really Uh, get it right. Now, thankfully, I've actually gotten a few outrights correct over the last couple of months. So I've been on a bit of a hot streak, if you will. Nice. But uh, I do bet here and there. Yeah. And how important do you think the gambling side of it is to growing golf as far as a, a spectator goes? I think it's uber important. I really do. Because, you know, you can go back to the PGA Tour restart back in 2020, when it was one of the first major professional leagues to come back. And everybody needed something to bet on. And golf was the only thing going on. And so it brought in this influx of interest, which I think is a great thing for the game. You know, you're seeing this news of a new league with Tiger and Rory with a team element to it. You can bet on the Live Tour if you want to as well. So all of this stuff, in my opinion, is a good thing for the game. As long as it brings in interest, it brings in revenue, it brings in engagement on social media and all that, I think it's a good thing. So... You know, betting is a good thing, uh, and I hope more and more states will open up. I know Massachusetts just recently legalized mobile sports gambling, so I think that's important uh, to continue to see that momentum there. But I think it's extremely important for the PGA Tour, and I think the PGA Tour knows that too because, listen, they have partnerships with DraftKings now and PointsBet. So you're seeing that these commissioners across all of these major leagues are understanding the importance of sports betting to keep that – fan interest and what's the first sport you bet on i think it was golf yeah really yes yeah okay okay (laughs) and 
Now, where do your power rankings come out and where do you post them? And at what time do you post them? So I usually do the power rankings for the major championships for the PGA Tour. Um, okay. I'm probably going to continue doing that here throughout the fall swing, though. So right on my Twitter, at MrRogers99, you can find him there. I talk about him a little bit on my podcast, Lock It In with Cam Rogers. So definitely check that out as well. And I've got a lot of football content coming this fall, too. Really excited for college football week one and the NFL week one in a couple of weeks too. And of course that is the number one sport for sports betting, no doubt about it. So football season's a busy time. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the, the NFL sort of fell into the perfect gambling situation by accident when they took over Sunday. This episode is brought to you by Sports Interaction, Canada's most trusted sports book with many options available from every sport you can imagine. From futures and money line betting to real-time live betting during games, Sports Interaction offers its customers the most competitive odds in Canada. So head on over to our website and sign up today, as Sports Interaction also has a nice deposit bonus if you click on the link. It's available in every province, from coast to coast. And now back to the show. Looking at the first week of the NFL season, there's a very interesting game that I want to talk about, and that's Russell going back to Seattle. That game looks like a severe mismatch on paper. What do you expect from that? This is going to be a really fun game, right? Because it's kind of hard to even visualize Russell Wilson in another uniform. And here we are. He's there with the Denver Broncos. And by the way, the Denver Broncos might be the kings of just grabbing elite quarterbacks and placing them in and winning yes, they Super are. Bowls. You know? <laughs> like, it's just amazing. Peyton Manning, a recent example. So... Listen, I think this is a mismatch. I think Seattle has a long road ahead. I mean, they're starting Geno Smith. Geno Smith is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's just not. And honestly, it's laughable, Kobe, that we have Colin Kaepernick outside of the NFL right now, and we have Drew Locke as a backup quarterback. I mean, number one, that's ridiculous. Colin Kaepernick should be in the league. But yeah, this is a mismatch. I think the Broncos should win this game with ease. I'm curious to see what the line is in this game. I'm going to look it up here as I sort of talk to you. But I think Russell Wilson in this Denver Broncos offense is really in for a solid year. I really love Cortland Sutton. I think he's going to break through in a big way with Russell Wilson. Really excited about Javante Williams, too. I think this guy is going to get force-fed this year. Please don't give the ball to Melvin Gordon. He has no explosiveness. Give it to Javante Williams. He's the high upside play. Uh, So I think Seattle, or excuse me, Denver is going to have a really good campaign and Listen, the line in this game is, uh, let's see here. I think it was six and a half. Yeah, minus six and a half. Smash the over. Yeah, I'm willing to smash. <laughs> I mean, if you want to tease that to eight or nine. I mean, I know it's at home for Seattle, but still, do you really trust Geno Smith and that offense to keep up with Denver? And I think Denver has a pretty underrated defense, too. I mean, it's not the defense of 2015, per se, but they still got some talent there, and they got some good pass rushing ability as well. So Randy Gregory on that squad, and you know you got Bradley Chubb as well, former first-round pick back in 2018. Really good secondary with Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson there, veteran secondary. So Denver going to win that one, minus six and a half for sure. Okay, I'm with you there, 100% smash the over. I thought you were going to say the line was nine. That's what I was expecting to hear you say. Right, same. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised by that number. Now, some recent news, and this is kind of an interesting one, because all – NFL offseason, there was talk of where would Jimmy Garoppolo go? Well, he hasn't gone anywhere. They've restructured his contract. They got him for a one-year deal. No trade. What do you think that does to the 
Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo dynamic in San Francisco. It does make things a little awkward, doesn't it? I mean, I'm kind of surprised by this news, but I think it's more indicative of no team out there was willing to give up what the 49ers wanted for Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, let's be real. Like, who actually out there made a lot of sense? And if you really had to pick a team, probably the Houston Texans. But even then, they want to see what they have with Davis Mills. So I think they sort of want to ride the ship there. And then, you know, Cleveland, I think that makes zero sense. You have Deshaun Watson coming back at some point. You gave him a ton of money. Ridiculous Why money. trade for, yeah. Why trade for Jimmy Garoppolo just to play 11 games? Doesn't make much sense. So if you really crunch the numbers and boil things down, you know, I'm not too surprised, I guess, that Jimmy Garoppolo is staying with the 49ers. I just was surprised that nobody was shelling out a lot of draft capital for this guy because, well, this is a quarterback-driven league. It's the NFL. And so here we are. Now, with that said, there is still potentiality for Garoppolo to be traded this fall before the trade deadline that's still in the contract. Just Garoppolo has to be involved with what team he goes to. So that's written in the contract there. Okay. So still potential for him to be traded, but for now he's with the 49ers. And Trey Lance is QB1, by the way. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's very clear by 49ers leadership that Trey Lance is the guy. So in fantasy circles, by the way, love him this year at the quarterback position. I think he's in for, you know, a really interesting year. And with Garoppolo as his backup, just in case, I think it's, Probably the best backup in the NFL. So, I agree with you, hundred percent. Best best backup in the NFL. And I mean, last season, everyone was wondering how long would the leash be. It was endless. The leash was endless. It took an injury for Trey Lance to come in and play a little bit. And this season, I guess the question is, how long would the leash be with Trey Lance? There are opportunities in the NFC West this season. It's not the powerhouse division it had been for so long. How long will it take, do you think, if there's a string of losses before they start thinking maybe we should put Jimmy back in? I think it's got to be a really long leash here because, I mean, you restructured this guy's contract to be the backup, right? You have committed to Trey Lance all offseason long. It's got to be disastrous, in my opinion, for him to kind of step out and sit on the bench for a little bit. And I don't even think that would be just because, oh, my God, this guy isn't our franchise quarterback anymore. It would probably just to be more of a mental improvement for Trey to sort of reset a little bit, let Jimmy Garoppolo play, watch him play, learn a little bit, and then get back out there. It would probably be more so just for a break for him, not more so of, oh my God, this guy isn't the answer. I think he can be the answer for this team. And you've got a lot of good weapons. Obviously, you have Debo Samuel. George Kittle is a great tight end, really solid offensive line, two good tackles with Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. So listen, I think this 49ers roster is a top 10 roster in the NFL. So it's all there for Trey Lance. And look, this guy's dynamic. He can create plays on his own. He can go off script. He can run. And with this stable of running backs, too, that the 49ers have at their disposal, they should be able to run the football well. Uh, Jeff Olson, Elijah Mitchell, uh, down the line from there. So... You know, I think the leash has to be pretty darn long. I'm talking about 0-10, and and he's throwing multiple interceptions a game for him to get out of this situation here because I think the 49ers want to keep Jimmy G healthy just in case there is a trade partner down the line. Okay, so you're saying a losing season is acceptable this season? I would say so. It would be a surprise to me. Uh, But, you know, look, this is his first year as a full-time starter, so I think there has to be this element of patience here for Trey Lance. So what's the Vegas line on wins? I know you brought up the Vegas numbers earlier. 
Yeah, let's take a look at that. Um, I want to say it's probably around eight as far as the 49ers are concerned. Nine and a half. So over under nine and a half wins for the 49ers this year. (sighs) That's hard. That's a tough one. I'm going to say under. I'm going to say nine. And I think that's a successful year for this team. I know I have them as a top 10 team in the NFL. I don't know how confident I am in that. Uh, Look, the NFC West is still going to be a bit of a grind this year. You have the Rams. You have the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are a little overrated, to be frank with you. I agree. Yeah, they'll be tough. And then, look, Seattle, I mean, they could steal one at home, too. So, listen, I'm going to say under nine and a half wins. I think nine wins, but that could be good enough in the NFC this year to make the playoffs. So, Okay, and then, so over this offseason, we've seen a ridiculous offseason with the number of trades. Big, big trades that have happened and such and signings. Most improved team this season? That's a great question. Well, listen, there are a few ways to think about this. You would say the Cleveland Browns, but then you have the suspension. The obvious answer is the Denver Broncos, because you have Russell Wilson there uh, at the quarterback position. But I'm willing to say the... There's so many good options here, because you have Matt Ryan in Indianapolis now as well. I think the Indianapolis Colts are going to make a big jump this year. And here's a couple reasons why. They have their man, their three-down running back in Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines if they need him. Michael Pittman is in for a career year. This is his breakout year. All right? I love him. Sturdy offensive line. And then you have a pretty underrated defense as well. A team that should have made the playoffs last year, but they went into Jacksonville and laid an egg. And now you have an upgrade at the quarterback position with Matt Ryan for the Indianapolis Colts. So I think they're a team that can surprise some people this year. And we're talking about a very questionable AFC South. Too. So you have to factor that in as well. What's going to happen there uh, in the AFC South, right? So, you know, I think that Indianapolis could be a surprise team. I agree with you on like all those accounts. First of all, they underperformed last season. Agreed. So they, they should do better just based on that. Secondly, I do agree with you. Significant upgrade at quarterback. They got to win that division. I, I would bet the farm they win that division, <laughs> right? So I'm just wondering who else they play in the AFC. Yeah, it sounds like they have the AFC West this year, which is not going to be easy, obviously. That's going to be a bit of a gauntlet Okay. <laughs> with the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos, of course. So keep that in mind. But the AFC South, on the other end, is pretty watered weak. down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, weak. So. <laughs> the Jaguars twice. And look, I think the Jaguars will be better this year, but I think the Colts can, in theory, beat them twice. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, the Texans are good as far as improving but they're still going to finish last in that division. So you can steal two from them as well. So, yeah, I think it's something to keep in mind because you also have the Patriots on the schedule for Indianapolis. You have the Vikings, who I think are going to be a good team this year. So they're playing the NFC North as well. they got the Packers on the schedule. Okay. But I think the Colts on paper, on paper, should make a jump this year. I agree with you, 100%. We're on, we're on the same... Same wavelength here. Yeah, well, this is not like last time. Last time we disagreed, Luck. This time we were yeah. definitely agreeing. Okay, one more one more NFL question for you. Are the LA Rams a better team this season than they were last season? On paper. You know, it's always hard to say when you have a Super Bowl winning team coming off a victory, obviously winning a championship. Can you reload? Can you do the same thing again? And obviously there is the addition of Allen Robinson. So I think that sort of makes up for the loss of Robert Woods. Mm -hmm. Um, I think overall, 
this team is going to be a top five team, a team that's probably going to make the NFC Championship and then not make the Super Bowl. So to answer your question in that regard, I think they are not an improved team because I think the Buccaneers go all the way. But for the Rams, I still think they are a top five team in the NFL. You have Matt Stafford. You have Cooper Cup. The offensive line, to be frank with you, is still a bit of a concern, especially on that left side there with David Edwards and Joe Nopum. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, so, you know, I think there are some question marks, too, with the running back position. Is Cam Akers this guy? Is it Darnell Henderson? Are we factoring in Kyren Williams, too? Like, what's going on there? You still have Aaron Donald. You still have Jalen Ramsey. Still some holes, though, at the other cornerback positions there uh, in the safety positions as well. So, listen, I think there are reasons for concern. But you can always pick apart any team in the NFL for a weakness, right? So I still think the Rams are a top-five team, but maybe not as good as the year before. Okay, so you picked the Bucks to go the distance, hoist yeah. the Super Bowl. Who do you like in the AFC? In the AFC, I'm going the Baltimore Ravens. Whoa! And take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And here's why. First of all, Lamar Jackson... Please pay the guy. I mean, this is a quarterback-driven league. It may not be fair that you're paying him all this money, but this is the world that we live in. Do you want to be the Chicago Bears? Do you want to be the Detroit Lions? Like, figure it out, Baltimore, David DaCosta, and pay this guy. Uh, and then I think people aren't really factoring in the amount of injuries that this team faced last year. It was insane. Absolutely unbelievable. Now, let me just say also that I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan, but I'm a logical Baltimore <laughs> Ravens fan, okay? Let's look at the data here. The only concern for me, really, is the wide receiver position. Do they have any wide receivers? I can't remember. I think Rashad Bateman, <laughs> first-round pick in 2021, can be that guy for them. They have Mark Andrews. They're going to run the football with J.K. Dobbins and Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. And, you know, I think this offensive line is underrated, too. Morgan Moses, Kevin Zeitler on that right side. They get Linderbaum, the first-round pick, at center. You know, the other concern, too, would probably be the pass rush for this team, but that's been the concern for probably the last 15 years with this team, and they've made playoffs and won a Super Bowl, right? The secondary is elite with Marlon Humphrey and Chuck Clark and Marcus Peters and Kyle Fuller. So I'm excited about this team, and I'm not really all that concerned about the AFC North, Kobe, to be frank with you. I mean, look, you got the Cleveland Browns with Jacoby Brissett for 11 games. Okay. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Major question marks. And, of course, you got the Cincinnati Bengals. They'll be tough. But I think for the Baltimore Ravens, you know, they didn't win the division last year, so they won't play the division winners of the AFC the previous year this yes. year. So that helps them. I think they make a big-time run and go all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they they have a favorable schedule. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I don't I don't see them as complete as as you do. Now, I know I'm it's a, a hot take. <laughs> it is a it that is. is a huge hot take. I've asked this question of a lot of different people. We talk a lot of football, and no one has selected the Ravens. So you're the first there. I'm I think of course twenty to one. Yeah, I'm of course I'm a huge Denver Broncos fan. Okay, I'm a massive Broncos fan. Okay. So I'd like to see the Broncos go the distance, and it's a possibility, but that's not who I'm selecting to to show that I am impartial. I actually think the L.A. Chargers will go the distance. Okay, here's my thing with the Chargers. It's just like they win the offseason, there's hype, there's all this, and then they go 8-7 and seven or whatever, and then, you know, or, uh, you know, 8-8 eight and eight and not do anything, you know. So I've, I've, just, I've seen this movie before with the Chargers, and lust, trust me, this is not a Philip Rivers situation, right? We're talking about Justin Herbert, uh, yeah. who is going to be eventually an elite quarterback in the NFL. You got a stable of good wide receivers too. 
So, you know, Austin Eckler at the running back position, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, good pass rusher, sure. You got the AFC West to deal with, Kobe, right? I mean, you got to play yep. the Denver Broncos twice. You got to play <laughs> Patrick Mahomes twice, you know? And this Raiders team won't be a slouch either. So it's like just getting out of that division alone is going to be a challenge for these Chargers. So let's assume they're going on the road. Do you trust Justin Herbert in the playoffs on the road? He couldn't beat the Raiders last year to get into the playoffs. So I don't know. I just have my questions about the Chargers. I would rather wait and see with them than get early on them and say they're going all the way to the Super Bowl. But you know what? What you're saying is they made some moves. They have some talent. They can make a run. And this is a crazy AFC. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. It's I. I don't want to see it to be honest. And for sure. years, I know you don't. <laughs> right? And for years, when Denver wasn't that good, and I looked at the schedule, whenever I saw the LA Chargers on the schedule, I always felt like that's a game we can win, even when the Chargers were favored, just because Denver plays LA well. So again, it's a difficult pick for me, but I've also got Herbert as a possible MVP this year. So that's what I'm looking at, right? I'm looking sure. at him taking a big step, and if he does, then that's what takes him the distance. But no, I love that you picked the Ravens. I love it. Okay, Go so <laughs> right, and I am a low key Ravens fan. I'm a defensive guy, so I've always loved the defenses they've put together over the years. Right, so I'm I kind of behind you on there. I just I don't think that offense can do it. I, I have a feeling there's too much tape on Lamar Jackson. They're going to find ways just to really slow him down. Well, I think the key too is to not rely on the off script Lamar Jackson as much this year. I think it's really relying on J.K. Dobbins and the talent that we have at the running back position and just hammering the rock. And that's when the opportunities open in the play action and Lamar carrying it himself, right? So defenses should have to worry about the running backs first for the Ravens to be successful. And that's what I'm saying. It can't be the Lamar Jackson show 24-7. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I guess I'm a bit bitter too because last season I uh, in my experts league, I drafted J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> And yeah, then, that's easy to be sour. And that was the end of my that was the end of my season practically. It was so annoying too because like I would get a notification: this Raven gets hurt, done for the year. This Raven, this Raven. Yeah, like, then Gus. <laughs> right? It's like, do they have any running backs left? What are we doing in Owingsville, Maryland, guys? <laughs> like, yeah, they literally so, quite literally lost all their running backs on a run first offense. So that was that was uh, it for that season. <laughs> and you know what? They were still pretty competitive with Huntley at the quarterback position last year. So that's what gives me that optimism. I was watching them closely, and they were right there with the Rams at the end of the year with Tyler Huntley at quarterback. I mean, come on now. I mean, these Ravens play hard. I love John Harbaugh. He is my boy, and uh, I have all the faith in the world with him at the helm. So, Right on. I love I love having you on, Cam. we got to have you on more often. I love talking football and golf. That's, that's my big two, so we always get along great. Before I let you go, what's next for you on the horizon? Yeah, so a big season, of course, with the NFL coming. I have a lot more guests coming on, lock it in with Cam Rogers, a lot more video content to come, uh, a lot of good stuff happening at Believe in general. We're starting up some uh, really cool distribution avenues, so we're not just a podcast network anymore. We're on the radio, we're on TV, so a lot of good stuff there coming, and so really excited for this football season. Right on. Good to have you on, buddy. Good to be with you, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't 
miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience, where no sport is left behind.